0: is hiring going to continue at this rate? Are the job shortage you know, labor shortage is going to continue at this rate? What, what, do, what do you see happening?
1: A couple factors in there. Yes, job shortages or not job shortages, but employee shortages will continue. That problem is not going away. That was actually a problem before COVID. I mean, that was not new. It just intensified. I want to circle back around to that. The rate of shortages is likely to go down because the overall economy is going to be going into that slower period of growth. So you won't see businesses trying to expand quite as quickly if they still need to be expanding to accommodate even 2% growth. Sometimes you kind of question how much you really need to expand for that. So you will see that that intensity goes down some in 2022 and 2023, but we will still have the shortages. And to your point, we have more demand than we have people for it and it's coming down to the skills issue it's coming down to the other aspect that you didn't mention was location so location was a big issue welcome back everyone to the geeks geezers and Googleization show the home
0: of Googleization nation where we talk with hr and business thought leaders about the crazy shift
1: going on in the world of business technology and hr here's your host ira wolf
0: Hello there, Googleization Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. I've got my co-host, Jason Cochran, with me. How are you doing? Good to see you, partner. Doing great. Our, we our, can holiday, have cheer, our, to... our holiday cheermeister, right?
2: That's right. Still wearing the, the Christmas ornament lights. We'll do it for a couple more weeks to have fun. Can't believe the 2022 is almost here.
0: No, that's for sure. And, and for anyone who is listening on the podcast after the show, you got to take a look at the YouTube channel just for a minute and see... Jason's dress. <laughs> so we're wearing his chain his necklace of lights. So appreciate the being in the spirit. And you're absolutely right. I don't know how we got here. December 4, what is it? Whatever date it is. Uh 15th, 2020 uh, 2021. What is what year is it? It's Blur's Day. It's Blur's year, as we've been talking about. But yeah, incredible. I mean, we were it's hard to believe 12 months ago we were here talking about you know, couldn't wait to have that breakthrough. Vaccines were finally starting to come through, places of states and businesses were starting to open up again. We were able to travel. Things seemed to be improving and everybody couldn't wait to get to 2021 because we'd get back to normal. And here we are a year later. And as I like to say, we are living in the never normal. So there are some things that people went back to, but it's never the same. I had my last class last night for the master's class in organizational change. And we were supposed to have three in-persons, and we successfully had not one class that everybody was able to attend in person. Wow. Somebody was traveling, somebody was sick, somebody somebody in their household had COVID. And, you know, managing that hybrid, you know, we're supposed to be in person, and then somebody shows up on Zoom, somebody wasn't able to show up because of of some other incidences. Uh, That's the world we live in. But ultimately, everybody's wondering what 2022 is going to be like. And some people are just hoping this is all behind us. And then there's people like you and me and a lot of our our colleagues recognize that this is only the first chapter in what many what we will be living in for as long as we can see the never normal. But we're going to what today is. This episode, which is often, which in the past couple of years, by the way, has been the last episode of the year. We've had an economic forecast and we reached out to an organization that I was familiar with when I was speaking and also a member of Vistage or Tech Group, TEC, for years. And ITR Economics used to come on every year and sometimes several times a year and give a forecast. And they have a really outstanding newsletter and and now they have some on-demand videos, which we'll hear about. But what's remarkable, and think about this, of predicting the economy of what the forecast is gonna be in many different aspects, which includes employment. Going back to 1985, they have a track record of 94.7% accuracy. Whoa. And then if you break it down and you look at employment, and I can't wait to talk to Jackie Green in just a minute. Somehow they screwed up last year because their unemployment forecast accuracy was 99% going back for years. And last year was only in the 90s somewhere. And think about all those things that go on and right. you know, how volatile, oh, VOCA, how volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous the last year was and yet they still managed to be in the 90 percent of accuracy and similarly with the forecast despite all those disruptions they were still pretty strong so they're even better than the weatherman and weather women at predicting the weather for the next day they're that are better than flipping much better than flipping a coin, giving you some guidance. So everybody wants to pay attention. This is one of my favorite shows because we get all the data, the facts, and and they have it. They do tremendous amount of research, so very excited. In the past, we've had Alan Ballou who was one of the founders and one of the partners with his brother, and this year he was unavailable. So we got promoted. We actually got a all we right. got promoted. Yeah, we, they pushed us up the ladder. And today's show, we're going to have Jackie Green from ITR Economics. And rather than talking about it, the future, why don't we bring Jackie on and we can get started. Let's do it. Um, find out, yeah, what, what's going on. So welcome to Geek Skeezers and Googleization, Jackie. You're no longer a, geek, a GGG virgin, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, thank you very much for having me. So
0: again, I know this is a crazy busy time of the year, you know, for you wrapping up what's going on. Not that any day or month or or week, month or year isn't crazy anymore, but tell us just a little bit about ITR. I gave you a little bit of a buildup there, but tell us a, a little bit that I might've missed something that, that our listeners don't know about it. And then we can start talking about what can we expect in
1: 2022? Sure. Happy to. I love what I do. So I could talk about it all day long. So ITR economics. We've actually been around for over 70 years now. So we're the oldest privately held forecasting firm in the country, continuously operating forecasting firm in the country. Brian Bolio bought the company in 1987, but he's been with the company since 1982. His brother, Alan, that you mentioned joined, I believe it was 1989. So they've been at this for a very, very long time. I've been here for about 16 years now and. We love talking with the people who are living the lives. We love looking at the data and talking about that too and how it actually impacts you. It's economic information, but with application. So it's very exciting for us.
0: Excellent. So let me just relay a little bit of a story that happened last night in class. And I think this is representative. And then, again, giving, trying to give employers a picture of what they can expect, because I think everybody's hoping this is going to be behind. Somebody's going to find the magic solution. We're going to have this infrastructure bill. If we ever get that, we're going to have to build back better, you know, whatever form or fashion that may or may not come in. And it's all going to be good. And yet we talk about this continued disruption and and evolving. But last night in class, one of the students who was not able to make it, she was the one that was not able to make it in person. In the last week, she's a working mother. She's taking a master's level course. Well, she's a working mother. She's a, a divorced mother. She's got a young child. She moved in the last week. She changed jobs in the last month. She's taking this class. And then her son, who was in daycare, is COVID positive, so has to no. stay home for oh. two weeks. All this stuff happens. Now we look at that and go, oh man. I mean, I mean, you can empathize with her, you can sympathize with her. The problem is this is happening all around. Everybody you know has a some something similar like this, different stories. And that sort of gets lost in the numbers. And I, I don't think. Employers recognize that. But before we dive into more stories like that and how this is relating it, let's go into what some of the trends you're seeing for 2022, because most of the forecasts are, you know, we're going to have continued growth. And there's always an asterisk after that, you know, depending on a lot of decisions, the election, terrorism, disruptions, climate change, all that stuff. What do you see when we go, when you take a more macro look at it, not going down into the weeds, what's 2022, 2023 look like for us as employers, you know, as everyday people?
1: Love to. First, though, I got to tell you, for a little while, though, I, I thought you were talking about me. I mean, <laughs> so many of those things, that last month, my kid had to be out of school for two weeks, my youngest, she wasn't COVID positive, so we set up one of the offices here at the office for her, and she was scooting around on her scooter, so... We all find ways to make it work. So I relate in terms of 22, 23 expect slowing growth. We've had this for a very technical term here, gangbuster year of 2021 here. There was so much growth going on. Part of it was because we were coming off of weak periods in 2020 where the numbers look really good because of that reciprocal bounce of it. But a lot of it was real growth going on in the economy, but it's unsustainable at that sort of level. So we're going to see that level of growth tapering off in its rate of growth, but it will still be growth through 22 and 23, just a slowing rate of growth, which from some of the companies we've talked to, there's been kind of a sigh of relief when we tell them that because they're tired, they're struggling to keep up with this high level of demand that there's this little bit of, phew, oh, thank goodness, which sounds kind of crazy in some ways, because normally you're looking to just keep going and going, but it will be growth. That's the big thing. There will be some potential for a little mild pullback in a few select industries, but overall you're going to be expecting that growth throughout 23.
0: Are there some industries that you're expecting a bigger pullback or, you know, are some are still going to go gangbusters? Are you seeing some, some different trends there?
1: The main one that comes to mind is one that's always in dangerous kind of paper industry. That's one of those ones that we're going to see some of that pullback happen. that's pretty typical it's more just your normal sort of trends we were already projecting a slower period of growth for this time in the business cycle what's going to be normal is going to be normal economically we're getting back to normal part of what caused some of that extreme growth in 21 was all the stimulus spending and all the checks that everyone was receiving that caused frankly that caused a big part of our supply constraints as well because we all had so much more money to spend And we couldn't spend it at restaurants, we couldn't spend it traveling, we couldn't spend it going out to concerts and all sorts of things like that. So we were buying goods and we had so much disposable income, we were buying lots of goods. Retail sales are a record high, GDP is back to a record high level. So it's really just coming back down to normal because we couldn't continue at level forever.
0: Well, the numbers at a high level don't mean anything to a lot of people. You know whether we're growing at two percent or three percent or four percent. Can you just give some perspective? I mean, what rate of growth were we at? And when you say we're slower, is sure. how, how slow will it get?
1: Let me give you an actual number, just because like to give real numbers. That's the economy. That's why, that's why you're here.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got
1: them. <laughs> we're expecting twenty one to end around five point three percent, and that's industrial production in the U. S. That's more apples to apples for a lot of people in the industrial space and looking at the GDP numbers. That's what we talk to a lot. For 22, it's going to be about 2.8% growth. So it's a noticeable slower it's, rate of growth, but still better than contraction. And then in 23, it's going to be about 1.6% growth.
0: it's still so, growing. So. Still
1: growth. And that's pretty, pretty important piece to be paying attention to. And just for the record, all those numbers are coming straight from our ITR trends report. So that's nice and handy, and I access it on my phone, wherever I am, when someone else asks me that question, because economists near to me, I somehow get asked that question all the time.
0: <laughs> and the, the website's going across the the bottom of the screen, and so people can go up there, and I know you have a number, we can talk about that at the end, but you have a number of different subscriptions that people can access this. I can verify that they are well worth, you know, getting that information. It's amazing what you come up with and, and staying ahead of. So, I think it's important, because as people are going back, and, you know, I, we work primarily and we'll get into the jobs in the labor markets what that's going to look like you know i got off two calls this morning and and people are really expecting that you know hopefully things will slow down so we can get caught up but if we're still going to have continued growth it's not a contraction that a significant contraction that's just going to give us a lot of free time that we can have time to fix this fix things up because we're still going to be moving forward and there's still going to be growth which means we still are going to be just falling further behind slower. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> I'm not sure if that's an optimistic or a pessimistic <laughs> way to look at that.
0: <laughs> I try to put myself out there as a pragmatist. A real, <laughs> so maybe it's just there, but relying on the facts. Let's talk a little bit about jobs. You know, we've seen a lot, you know, we've got all these, all these titles and names. So you've been struggling with labor shortages for years, which is you know, super complicated when you get down to it. Why we have shortages, and you know, it goes anywhere. Well, and there's enough people on the planet, or enough people within our our boundaries, to do all the jobs. But a lot of them aren't prepared. They don't have the skills. They don't have the child care. They don't have they don't have the health care. Mm-hmm. There's a million reasons why people can't get back to work or do the jobs that are available. So talk a little bit about that. But then we also have the demand. For jobs so there's a lot going on obviously with employment i think it's remarkable i didn't pay i mean I, I knew you you guys had a good forecast record and i looked your trends and it looked like through 2018 2019 you were hitting 99 accurate at your employment trends last year you're slouched it's i know like 96 percent or 95 i don't remember what the exact number was but yeah that's that's just remarkable i mean because it's thank I, you you know on a macro level, I have a tough time keeping up with it to get down to a precision like that. So let's talk about is hiring going to continue at this rate? Are the job shortage and you know, the labor shortage is going to continue at this rate? What, what, do, what do you see
1: happening? A couple factors in there. Yes, job shortages or not job shortages, but employee shortages will continue. That problem is not going away. That was actually a problem before COVID. I mean, that was not new. It just intensified. I want to circle back around to that. The rate of shortages is likely to go down because the overall economy is going to be going into that slower period of growth. So you won't see businesses trying to expand quite as quickly if they still need to be expanding to accommodate even 2% growth. Sometimes you kind of question how much you really need to expand for that. So you will see that that intensity goes down some in 2022 and 2023, but we will still have the shortages and to your point. We have more demand than we have people for it. And it's coming down to the skills issue. It's coming down to the other aspect that you didn't mention was location. So location was a big issue too. we have our offices here in New Hampshire and we were looking to hire more and more economists, but there weren't, at one point I was convinced we had scooped up every economist in the state, frankly. <laughs> we have since been able to grow beyond that. And I think that leads into actually part of why we've seen such mass resignations and turnover in some places too, is because so many people went virtual and you were able to work remotely, you weren't limited by your location as much anymore. So it opened up that doorway to finding the talent you're looking for with the skills that you need and them not having to be in your physical office all the time. That led to some of that, which is part of why we've seen some mass hiring too, is going, Oh, I can hire this person while I need to hire this person because my business is growing. And then as you take someone else's employee, they have to go through that whole hiring process again. It's a big ripple effect. But the job openings numbers are still up at record levels in some industries. Manufacturing has record number of job openings. Wholesale trade is up near there. Lots of construction is up near record levels. I mean, it's just been massive amounts of job openings as we're trying to keep up with all the demand. Some of that manufacturing piece is because we are trying to manufacture more here in the U.S. as we're trying to get around some of our supply chain issues. So it's a big jumbled up mess that's trying to be unrolled. (laughs) It's it's one of those unintended consequences just keeps going and going, sort of things.
0: And again, with the same kind of focus, are are there certain industries? I mean, are we going to continue... What are you seeing like in hosp- some of the industries that were hardest hit? Hospitality, entertainment, travel, you know, what, what's the forecast there? And and then as well as like healthcare, because it seems that although healthcare is, as you know, I've been involved with healthcare for just, but you know, 20 years ago, we were facing nasi- nursing shortages. But now, not only is there not enough of trained people, but a lot of the people are just burnt out. And so the, those resignations look like to continue. So in, in a couple of those industries, what are you, you know, what are you, what are you expecting to see? More of the same or different?
1: More of the same with the medical, definitely. Even pre-COVID, before this was an issue, that was one of those markets we were always expecting to be a place where we needed more bodies. If you look back to Brian and Ellen Bolio wrote the book Prosperity in the Age of Decline, I want to say it was about six years ago now, roughly, sometime last decade. We wrote this book about the coming great depression. We expect sometime around the twenty thirty time period. And one of the things that they were recommending is if you have children recommend they go into nursing, because we're going to need more and more people in that field. And that was six years before COVID was even a thing. So now you're adding in all the burnouts and the high demand there. Yeah, it's going to be a long-term problem. And we have an aging demographic trend. That's going to be putting more and more strain on that. So I expect that's going to be a long-term long-term, at least through the next decade, issue.
2: Jackie, there's uh, some things I think that also not not only are affecting Wall Street, but they're affecting Main Street too. And two of those I'm hearing just from a lot of my friends, they're bringing up inflation Hmm. and they're bringing up interest rates. Are there any data or predictions you have around inflation and interest rates for 2022 and how that might be different than this year?
1: Sure. Short answer, expected to go up. Longer (laughs) answer, (laughs) <laughs> we can get into all sorts of specifics. Of we here at ITR will actually break it down into your specific pieces. If you're looking at your own industry steel prices or all sorts of different components, we can break it down into lots of different ways of what your input costs are. Basically, overall, though, expect it to go up. Part of that is the unintended consequence of all the stimulus money. So as we were all having more disposable income and rushing out to buy stuff. It, creates that demand which creates that increase in prices as well as even if you take it back even further some of the tariffs and trade issues that we had even pre-COVID created some of this problem so it's not going to go away it will ease in the rate of rise but it won't go away in terms of prices will still go up
2: yeah we're we're up to I have four sons and one of them are a set of twins that are one and a half and so we're going through about 10 gallons of milk a week and I noticed on our grocery bill, just the milk alone, we've almost doubled the amount we're spending on milk. So what you're telling me is, I'm gonna have to take out an additional account here, find some extra mm-hmm. revenue for milk this next year is what it sounds like.
1: Okay, I gotta ask a logistics question. How <laughs> many times do you go to the grocery store for that? Cause I can't picture fitting 10 gallons of milk in my fridge on top of everything else.
2: Oh yeah, my wife gets quite a few looks. Between the orange juice and the milk, she basically fills up one cart just with those two items.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: <laughs> yeah. And they have a tractor, refrigerator tractor trailer out back, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so there's so many things, so many different areas that uh, that we can go off in. You said earlier you were going to take a deep dive. I don't know if you went in. You know, I, I know Alan and his brother, you know, wrote, wrote the book six years ago. I've been talking about this perfect labor storm since 1999, right before the dot-com boom, when, you know, basically the, the terms – if anyone can fog a mirror or, you know, warm, 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 body hiring, you got hired. And we sort of reached that state for some jobs, although we have much more knowledge jobs and service jobs and skill based jobs than we did back then. But even then we had a, this booming economy. Uh, so that's come around. But some of the trends and I don't know if you were going to get into this is when people talk about labor shortages and they go, oh, it's because of those darn millennials and Gen Z. They just have a horrible work ethic, you know, or it's because baby boomers are retiring. Or you mentioned maldistribution. People are just not located in the right place. And that problem could somewhat be taken care of by doing more virtual or hybrid work that you can reach where the people are for, for many of those jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, but ultimately, some of these trends have been coming along for, for decades one thing that i would look for and I'd look for your input on is just the participation rate i don't know if you can comment on that if not but basically i mean there's just less people percentage of our population that's working
1: yes so a couple things i want to hit on there if you don't mind one of them was you mentioned the whole hiring if they fogged up the mirror sort of thing I was actually talking to a couple of people in the service industry just yesterday, two separate companies who they went through that period or returning from the pandemic. Since then, they've gone back to the, no, this isn't worth it. We really need the right skills. So well, that's, that to hear, that's,
0: my, that's our business.
1: <laughs> so I appreciate that. In terms of participation rate. Yes. it's We still have some skewing in there because not everyone's come back post pandemic initial shutdowns. We had a lot of, and I certainly don't mean this to sound sexist or anything, but it's just a data fact. So there were plenty of women who left the workforce to be the primary caregivers when their kids had to be home from school. And so they haven't all come back at, even though some of the schools are opening back up. We did see a lot of people retiring early because of the pandemic. And so that reduced some of the labor force available. To your point about the millennials, some of the data is showing that they were slower to enter the workforce than other generations ahead of them. Not that they haven't, depending on which part of the millennial bandwidth they are at this point, Mm -hmm. but they waited a later age than past generations. So that's something we're actually still diving into here at ITR Economics, trying to figure out more of the why behind that. And is that just a blip, or is that something to be worried about with the next generations below them? Uh, That's an ongoing research project we have that we're planning on actually releasing more information about come 2022. The other aspect of it is also looking at those same utilization trends is the manufacturing industry. Those people working in those fields are generally getting older each year. The median age is getting older that year and that there's not a lot of younger generations entering that segment. So that's going to be an ongoing issue. And to alleviate some of that burden, one of the things we've been recommending to a lot of our clients is increase your automation, increase your AI. I know it's easier said than done but it really does come into a long-term plan. And that's partially because we talked about inflation earlier in wage inflation is a big piece of that too. So being able to automate with a machine is going to reduce your cost long-term as well as not having to worry about finding those bodies that don't seem to necessarily want be in a factory the same way they used to.
2: I'm glad you bring up the AI and the automation piece there, Jackie, because, you know, being in the technology space, a lot of times we hear folks that are, are weary of it, or, you know, they're, they're scared of technology and they think they immediately think technology is going to take our jobs when when actually the reality is no technology is not going to take your jobs the person who can work with the technology and understands it would potentially be the person who could take your job and so it's more an issue of upskilling or reskilling to understand how to to work you know in symbiosis with a lot of those those new automation pieces as opposed to taking away their jobs and that's what I was going to ask. Is that how you see it too? It sounds like you agree.
1: Oh, 100%. The con side of me says it's creative destruction 101. We bring on new things, it creates new roles, new options. It does re- eliminate the inefficient things and just create those new opportunities.
0: And speaking of the technology, and I know people have you know complained about Zoom fatigue, can't wait to get back to the office all this technology, kids, you know, people on their phones all, all day long. And, and, and obviously there's, there are some ill effects of that, but the premise that I've raised, and, and again, you have some, maybe have some data to this, so if not, you have an opinion about it. Hopefully if we rolled the clock back, if this was 2010, you were only six years into working with ITR economics, you were evaluating the economy and we had the pandemic without, wouldn't have had zoom at that place because mm-hmm. zoom, One is we wouldn't have the bandwidth. There were startups, and I interviewed a few people back then, another podcast that had startups with uh, was really very similar to Zoom. They could have been Zoom, had it been a different time. But we didn't have the bandwidth. I mean, we're still operating on 3G, dial-up. You know, we didn't have the bandwidth to be able to do that. Technology saved us in two major ways. That What would the economy have been like if people still had to go back to work because they couldn't work remote? Or virtual they either would have been laid off or we would have had a lot more hospitalizations and and deaths than we had and the other thing is we wouldn't have had a vaccine whether you're pro or con it wouldn't have existed because that was done through technology and it wasn't a 10-year plan to, to get it done it was a few months am i on the right track with that and you know and again is that going to be our savior the next time around with technology because there will be, whether it's another pandemic or terrorist attack or whatever, we're going to have more disruptions.
1: I think you're on the right track. I was trying to think through what life in 2010 was like, frankly. I was trying to picture my office back then.
0: We're in the midst of a, a recession.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, this is how much of an econ nerd I am. Instead of picturing my life at that point, I pictured where on the chart we were. <laughs>
0: it was pretty ugly. It was.
1: <laughs> Anyways. I think you're right. I think that it would have been a very difficult time. Technology was a huge savior. We would have found a way, and this might sound too rah-rah-ish, but one of the things I love about our country is that we find a way to make things work. We're creative people. It's one of the benefits of being in business in the United States. We have a lot of creativity that just keeps going and finds a way to make it happen. So what I was going through my head was going, okay, we didn't have Zoom we did have conference calling. So the pictures make a big difference, but we would still been able to at least limp by for some, a lot of things, I think. We at least were working, had the ability to work remote if we needed to. I hated it even back then, but we were doing it some days back then. So we would have found a way to at least get us by, but I think it probably would have pushed us all back into the office a lot sooner. You know, I think about the kids who are going to school they're in school because it's the better way to learn, but they're all wearing masks. So I think more of us would be just in the office wearing masks nonstop. But I do think we probably would have found a way. But I also agree that technology is going to be one of those big things that keeps us moving forward and keeps us helping us through any other obstacles that come our way. It keeps getting better and better. and a big fan of technology, despite what my children think every time I pick up the remote for the TV.
0: <laughs> we are going to take a really quick break. We've been listening to, uh, we've been talking with uh, and, and listening to Jackie Green from ITR Economics, who, again, I will reiterate this as a remarkable almost 95% accuracy rate and what the future is going to be. So you need to pay attention to 2022, 2023. When we come back, we are going to continue that conversation. We're gonna find out what are some of the promising trends that that we have coming up. Right now, we're gonna hear from one of our sponsors, Success Performance Solutions, and stay tuned. We'll be right back.
3: Change doesn't pick favorites. No matter who you are or where you live, the year 2020 was filled with one unexpected challenge after another. According to the authors of The Adaptation Advantage, we are incredibly well-prepared for the past, but woefully unprepared for the future. That leaves millions of people feeling scared, worried, frustrated, and confused. Whether you're the owner of a business or a worker out of a job, adaptability is now an essential skill you need to ride the next wave of normal. The good news is is that science shows that adaptability is learnable. Adaptability gives us the confidence and courage to think about change and embrace opportunity in the right way. Adaptability gives us hope for a better future. And goodness knows we need hope. Are you ready to embrace change and double down on your future? Contact Success Performance Solutions today to schedule a consultation about how you can reimagine your team's future, how you can begin to think about opportunity the right way.
0: Welcome back everyone. Easy to Googleization. Thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. Uh, we're talking with Jackie Green today from Economics. I highly recommend you go up to their site itreconomics.com and check it out. They've got a lot of good reports, but right now we are hearing from, we're going to be talking about uh, what are some of the promising trends. You just heard the commercial about adaptability, hope, and opportunity. Let's talk about what are some of the things that you see really promising there, Jackie, that we should keep an eye on or what should we keep an eye on to see as a business owner or, or as an employee about jobs?
1: Well, I hate that you put the word promising in there. I feel like it backed me into a corner corner a little bit there.
0: <laughs> we, can, we can back that out. <laughs> so,
1: the trends you should be watching, are. I always revert first and foremost to lean indicators, right? There's a whole collection of indicators that give you that first glance at what's coming up for the economy and generally for your business nine to 12 months in advance so we have a whole collection and i don't mean this to sound as a shameless plug i'm just trying to help you find a starting point <laughs> it's the itr trend report, and even our own itr lean indicators. one that i use a lot and it's been very predictive for the overall macro economy and many businesses i work with so that's where if you're looking to figure out your business find your lean indicators first and foremost some promising trends though I know everyone thinks the infrastructure bill, first and foremost, that's going to be going and hitting a home for everyone, but I want to rein in some of the enthusiasm. And I don't mean to be a wet blanket. I'm just trying to be realistic about what I see from the data. So I'm glad you're to. doing
0: it because that was one of my questions.
1: <laughs> I'm a forecaster. What can I say? I saw that one coming. With the infrastructure bill, everyone's expecting this big leap forward, this big surge, but take time. Right, I mean, it takes time. Even shovel-ready projects take months to actually be put into place and actually happen. And even then, the infrastructure bill that's been passed really is focusing on segments of construction in the economy, not a wide blanket. So it's primarily focused on transportation and utilities. So those sectors will see some benefit, but it takes that time. And remember that that money is spread out over an eight-year time period. So it's not that it all hits in one year. So it's some mild upward risk to our overall forecasts in 23-ish, but overall it's more something we're going to see hitting in bigger picture in the later years. There will be some mild impact in the near term.
0: And one of my concerns with that is is that there's shortages, you know, especially construction,
1: mm-hmm. you know, in the
0: trades and the manufacturing, the supply chain and the products and all that. So it's good news that we're going to be fixing the infrastructure, but it still hits the you know, going to supply chain, labor markets, you know, where are we going to find people to be able to do all those jobs? And if you've taken it from one place, if it's not a net zero game, uh, you know, or it is a net zero game. I mean, if we're taking from one industry or we're tracking from one region, then then the other suffers a bit.
1: And that feeds into some of that inflation outlook too. And you think about the materials used to put those projects into place, not just the human capital, but actual physical materials. Those aren't now available for another place. Now we're going to see that pricing going up and that's that bigger inflation picture.
0: Yeah, I just saw in the class last night, one of, I mean, little things that just pop into your head. I just saw where helium, uh, the, the <laughs> short of helium and, and it was even exacerbating the shortage of semiconductors. And I'm looking at the six helium balloons that they brought in for one of the students' birthdays. <laughs> you know, fe- feeding that shortage that we go there. There's a, there's a question that uh, Jason, uh, strategically looking at next year, and, and we're going to make a big theme of this because it seems to be popular and we missed it, but we asked a lot of people of, you know, what questions should we be asking? And I'll throw that out to you mm-hmm. as, as if you're a business owner, what questions should they be asking that they're not right now?
1: That they're not. Yeah.
0: What, what are we, what are people
1: missing? Well, because yeah. well, what immediately jumped in my mind was what questions should they be asking? The first question I would be asking is, I know there's that pull on the labor that there's the turnover risk so is my culture one that's going to keep people here someone else can always come in and offer money but is my culture are my other benefits what's going to be enough to keep the people i want here so that's what immediately came to mind but i don't know if that's what people aren't asking that's <laughs> just
0: well you got to put importance, and now we heard it from an expert, an economic yes. expert. They hear it from HR people all the time and organizational people, but they, they right. are economists. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think mean, I just that lost
1: my wings. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that it's important, so that's that's a that's a good thing. Because,
2: if you, you start important. getting emails and inquiries from Sherm and some of these agencies wanting
0: you to keynote, Jackie, just just remember, we'll <laughs> right here. Will do. Yeah. Is there anything that let's rephrase that? Is there anything that you wish employers would ask that they're not right now?
1: I wish that they were thinking about how they can really move through the next couple of years. This isn't just a short-term thing. This is really thinking the long-term. How am I going to make this doable in the long-term? To me, and I keep going back to the human capital, and I I swear it's not playing to any particular (laughs) reasoning. This is really one of the things on my mind a lot is, You make investments in your machinery, you make investments in your people the same sort of way, making sure that their skills are trained up. But that's why you also have to have that culture in place so that they don't walk out the door once you've trained them up on the skills you need. Part of that labor shortage is really tying in with a good source. Just like you would have a vendor for a component, you've got to find good training grounds and good places you can partner with to get skilled labor in there and invest in your own training process so that you get the skills you need while getting in the labor that you need. Also, they might, you're hiring for attitude at that point and not necessarily a skill set. So if you're willing to take that on, I think you'll be in a better position. I think I was supposed to phrase that as a question there, Alex, but
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, no, no worries. You did a great job and then putting you on the spot there. Any, I know you have another commitment and we're kind of getting toward the end of the show, any final comments or thoughts? Actually, I have one before that, and then you can get okay. in there. You talked about slower growth, growth, a little bit slower, but still growth through 2023. Are you going beyond that?
1: We are in general. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> overall, you're going to see growth going through the, for the overall macro economy into 2025, get more specific. That's, it's gonna pick up again after 2023, but overall growth into that period before the next noticeable recession comes. And that's recession, not depression. I'm very careful with that wording because if you've been following ITR economics, you also know we are talking about another depression scenario towards the end of this decade into the next decade. There is a distinct difference when I say recession <laughs> this decade.
0: So we're gonna get a little bit of a breather 2023 to 2024, but then it's going to rebound again. It's <laughs> yeah. going back up a little bit. so Get
1: some more growth. So, Enjoy it. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, yeah. If you think you're still in the heat of it, it just it's just the lull. It's that center of the, the hurricane, right? <laughs> the eye of the hurricane. Oh, so, and and yeah. that's for Jason living in the hurricane alley.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> <That's>
0: right. <laughs> so, and tornado alley. Jackie, really appreciate it. I know this is an incredibly busy time of the year. For you, but probably all the time. Wish you a happy holiday. Happy New Year. It's great to meet. Thanks for sharing your advice and your wisdom. I highly recommend people go up to ITR Economics, learn more. If they need to reach out to you, Jackie, what's the best way?
1: My email is Jackie at ITREconomics.com or actually, frankly, reaching out to anyone in the company. And I say that in the sense that our fantastic consultants all around, whether they're economic consultants or the business consultants helping you find the answers you need and the resource you need. Everyone here is happy to help. So really anyone at ICR economics, it's going to be great. Just going onto our website, there's a live chat that they will be your best and mm-hmm. fastest resource most of the time too.
0: Yeah. And if uh, you got your on-demand series and, and many other things up there. So I, again, I urge people to go up and take a look and follow them and connect with you. And uh, you know reach out to Jackie or anybody on their team. Jackie, I do hope you were, you, you, you successfully filled big shoes. We'd love to have you back at some point. Hopefully you'll come back in, in the past list year. Just for craziness, it didn't happen, but usually we like to get a mid-year report and then did a year and come of a mainstay here. So hopefully that'll continue, but uh, again, wish you well. Thank you for being here. Thanks for your advice and thanks for what you do.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. And I look forward to talking with you guys again soon.
0: It was fun. Thank you. Thanks
2: Jackie. Happy holidays. Thanks. you.
1: Happy holidays. Bye.
0: Time flies by, Jason. But so everything we've been talking about for people, when does it get back to normal? We're going to be living in that never normal for a while. We're going to may think you're going to catch your breath, but then it's going to, as I said, it's the eye of the storm. You're just in, in the middle of that. Moving you forward, use you know,
2: the term, and I think it's a theme we've had with several of the guests these last few months. You've used the term addicted to certainty. And boy, oh boy, does it seem like we have been hit right between the eyes and realizing we have been addicted to certainty for quite some time. And just like you said, here we are almost two years into the pandemic here in just a few months. And most of us probably thought once the vaccines are here, we'll be back to the certainty that we used to cling to. And it's becoming abundantly clear. No, that's not the case, that there's still going to be VUCA. And this is why the adaptability that you coach and teach and we talk about every week is so important. It's a life skill, truly a life skill, the adaptability that we all have got to have, not only to succeed in being able to work and be productive, but also to be the best we can at home as well.
0: Yeah. You keep going through these examples and people keep throwing it out. And, and I and I look at, I can't think of a single thing that any human being is is not going to face but having to change the behavior a little bit and that's adaptability and the analogy to addicted to certainty i I, and you're you know being a psychologist and this is your background you're probably familiar with it but i went up and i and i looked at what you know why is what are the stages that people go through with change and it, it took me to the five stages or six depending on whose model it was of what people go through with change. And, you know, they talked about the pre contemplative stage that we don't even, people don't even recognize it. And I'm just not going to do it. I don't believe it's true. I don't think we have to do it. And there's a lot of people there. But then it's that, you know, we're at that time of the year, too, New Year's resolutions that I'm definitely going to do something, but I'm going to do it in two weeks. We're, you know, January 1st, yeah. I'm going to stop eating. I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to treat people better. I'm going to tell, I'm going to recognize people. But then you have to go to the action step. And it's like 90 some percent of people never take action or they take it for a day and then it's too hard and they don't know. And and the only way you can get through that is really changing behavior. And that's that's really what we're talking about with adaptability. It's not just being more flexible, but it's it's having the skills to, we certainly need grit and resilience, but having the other skills that we need in order to actively make that change and make it part of our lives. And we will be people who are addicted to certainty will be on recovery in recovery for the rest of their lives <laughs> so we'll, we'll continue that analogy and we got some exciting things happen next year next year after the first of the year and which will we will be kind of dripping out over over the next few weeks but one of, but before we ended the year and this is usually the last show of the year we have got two powerhouse guests coming up we have evan Stone from recruiter.com and again we're we're gonna go take a deep dive into what's going on with that human capital that Jackie was talking about. What is the changes? What are some of the trends he's seeing? How effective those are trains, or is, is it change, or is it just more lip service? And then we're gonna end the year, and this is during the break. So if people aren't working, you'll have all the time in the world because you'll be on vacation, many people. Right. on vacation. With on the, yeah, the last Wednesday, the 29th of the year, we are going to have Dave Ulrich, who is probably Mr. HR. And, yeah. you know, can't wait to have that conversation about where we're going. So the next two weeks, we're going to continue on what's ahead. Everybody needs to stay tuned. We've we really have some some outstanding people to be able to get inside their head a little bit, get their advice and and go from there. Jason, any final words for today?
2: No, nope, just excited. Love the tea up there. These next couple of weeks, we're going out with a bang and it's going to be exciting too to start dripping and, and sharing out some of the exciting things we've got in store for for next year, too. So. Glad to be on this journey with you, my friend.
0: And we're so pleased that listeners or observers geeks, Geek Skeezers and Googleization, thanks for being part of Googleization Nation. If you're not part of it yet, please go up to GoogleizationNation.com. You'll be on our newsletter list, be apprised of new events, new happenings, and 2022 will be exciting. So we're hoping to add a lot more to that community as well. Until next week, don't let this shift. Get your plans.